what I'm going to share a little bit is um, uh, several weeks ago, Michelle Preble shared on an orphan spirit. You guys remember that message? And after she shared that, I got several phone calls, and I had several people talk to me. She had several people talk to her. Okay, that's the orphan spirit, but now what do I do? And because Michelle had so much stuff, she never got through it all. And so today what she's going to do is she's going to talk about how do we break that orphan spirit? What is the application? How do I apply the Word of God to get free from an orphan spirit, that rejection and that, that stuff that's in, in our lives? Do you realize we all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups? Do you realize every one of you in this house at some point in time, a, an orphan spirit has tried to seduce you and to take you down? You guys realize that? Well, today she's going to share on what do you do, what is the application of that. And we really felt like that there was going to be a season of, or not a season, but a time where the Lord really deals with our hearts after that, and, and, and we're going to lead us all through breaking some of that stuff off of our lives. How's that sound? Does that sound good to you guys? How many want some freedom? You want some freedom? It's not just about talking about the Word, but it's about applying the Word. You be, not just be hearers of the Word, but be doers of the Word. Amen? So today we're going to put that in application. We're going to do that along with worship at the end. So how's that sound to you guys? All right. Well, if we could have the ushers uh, go ahead and take up the tithe and the offering at this time, if they'll come forward. Everybody get your, your tithe out, your offering to the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, um, we thank you that there is no lack in the kingdom of heaven. There is no lack with you. And so, Father, today as we sow our seed, as we give of the tithe, Lord, we just ask that you bless it, that, Father, you would just further your kingdom in our hearts, that you would further your kingdom here in Newcastle, that you would further your kingdom in this region and the missions that we support. Father, I thank you for who you are. And Lord, we just honor you today and just ask your blessing upon this offering in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God, go ahead, guys. So, I am going to get the pulpit here. Michelle, you want it on the ground, don't you? So everybody, if you would, welcome Michelle Preble. Bless you. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I get rid of this. All right, well, I'm really excited. So it only means one thing, that God has something really great in store for you if we're switching it up. So I encourage you to get on the edge of your seats. Yes. <laughs> get ready for what God's going to do in your life today and be willing to go there. And so, um, yes, I'm going to talk on the orphan spirit again about the how-tos of it, how to overcome it, how to walk it out, how to get free of it, and um, forever kick it out of your life. And so... Um, if we remember, one of the things about the orphan spirit is that it can't be cast out. It has to be walked out. It's not just something I can pray off for you and say, no longer you have this. It's something that you have to walk out and overcome the habits that you've developed in allowing that to be at work in your life. And it's correcting those mistakes that you've made. 
Because um, an orphan heart doesn't feel like it has a home in the embrace of a father or mother. When you have a home, you understand that your home is in the embrace of the Father, our Heavenly Father. And because you're able to reside in his embrace, you're able to receive his love and give it out to everybody that you come in contact with, despite their behaviors, despite what's going on in your life. You're constantly in the Father's embrace, giving, receiving his love and giving it out to the next person that you see. And if you're not there and you're not able to do that, then that is a clue that you've got some hang-ups with the orphan spirit in your life and you need to deal with it. Um, the orphan spirit is insecure with love and struggles with fears of trusting, rejection, and intimacy. When you are dealing with the orphan spirit, you're going to have to make a choice whether you're going to open your heart up and take that step forward in loving people, or are you going to put your walls of protection back up and stay right where you're at and stay over here on your self-reliance and independence? And or when you're free of an orphan spirit, you're over here and you're in interdependence. Interdependence means that you need him. Over here, independence means I only need me, and I am self-reliant. And you are actually submitting yourself to the father of lies. You're not submitting yourself to God. And so we want to be over here in interdependence, where we are, self, we are reliant on him and not self-reliant. So 1 John 4.18 says there is no fear in love but perfect love cast out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love we love because he first loved us we were made for love and in order for you to walk out your destiny in the fullness of what God has for you you're going to have to choose to open yourself up to love and allow that love to flow through you it's a choice that you have and when you choose not to, re to love, you choose to reject, you choose to not trust, you choose to not walk in intimacy, and not to love those effectively around you. Your love becomes conditional and circumstantial. And that doesn't make anybody feel great. Um, but when we receive the Father's love, our home is in his embrace. The act of constantly receiving love in all circumstances, good or bad, and giving that love away to the next person you come in contact with. But how do we begin to make a movement from acting like we don't have a home to moving towards we do have a home? And so I just want to say this up front that what I'm going to share with you, don't make it a legalistic formula. It's not a legalistic formula. We all are at different points. And we all are different people, and God will do it in different ways with us because of it, because of who we are and our unique circumstances. But it is steps that you can follow. But do not make it a checkoff list. Do not go, okay, if I check all these things off, then I'm going to be free, and I've done what she said, so no longer I deal with the orphan spirit. That is not how it works. You have got to position your heart in humility with the Father. You've got to choose to let go of your independence over here and come over here and go, God, with all the humility that I have and I understand, I choose you, and I choose today to open my heart and position myself with you so that I can receive what you have for me today and I can make this movement towards being free of an orphan spirit. Amen. 
It's not just checking off. So please take a moment right now in the quiets of your seats to position your heart with the Father right now. Jesus, I thank you for the willing hearts of your people here today. So one of the first things that you need to do in getting free of an orphan spirit is to forgive your parents for misrepresenting Father's love to you. Without forgiveness, there can be no progress. Forgiveness unlocks the door to your heart, which allows the Lord to step in and bring healing. Forgiveness is the first step that you have to do. And there may be some of you going, Michelle, I have no problems with my parents. My parents are great people. I would say that too about my parents. But I had unforgiveness towards them. Nobody is perfect. Nobody in here is a perfect parent, and nobody had perfect parents. So I implore you, to still humble your heart and say, Lord, expose any area where I may have mistook something that they did and caused disappointment and hurt and upset in me, and I locked that part of my heart away. Because you are not whole if you even got one thing locked away. You're not walking in the fullness of God. And so even though you think you've had the most perfect parents, Still, take the time to allow God to judge your heart and what's in it. Because there could be something that's hidden that you don't even know that's there. Um, I remember a story that Ed Smith told in um, Theophostic Training. And he had a great relationship with his dad. And so when he was um, going through the whole Theophostic process himself and doing it on himself, he said that the Lord told him he had an issue with his dad, and he just was like, what? I don't have an issue with my dad. And he brought up this memory to him. And when he was a little boy, he built a model airplane. And he was so proud of it. He walked up to his dad and showed it to him. And his dad didn't say anything. But the tail wing was upside down. He just took it and flipped it right for him. And this went, ah, you know, hand it back to him. But that devastated him as a little boy because he just wanted his dad to be proud and say, that's great, and not do anything, but he felt like his dad had corrected him in that moment. And so he had a hurt there, a deep hurt that he didn't realize was even there. And the Lord brought it up to him, and it brought much healing to his life that he did not realize that he needed to have. So that's what I'm talking about. It could be something so simple like that, that you mistook something they said or did, and it caused a hurt in your heart, and you locked it away. Forgiveness Forgiveness does not mean forgetting what your parents did, nor does it mean divorcing them in your heart. It's not these two extremes. Forgiveness is about letting go of the dysfunction and the broken identity that you brought home from your father's house. It's letting go of that which holds you back from walking in the fullness of relationship with the Lord, of not allowing him to meet the deep needs of your heart. Because forgiveness, unforgiveness only hurts you. You are not hurting the other person. They have no clue. 
It's letting go of the dysfunction and the broken identity that you're carrying around and you're, and you're holding everybody else accountable for. And that's a deliberate choice you can make today. Even if you don't feel like it, you don't have to feel like it to forgive. It's a choice that you make. And believe me, I was there too, where I wanted my parents to own up to their inabilities and the way they raised me and their lack of skills and all the hurts and disappointments they had caused me growing up. And I wanted them to own up to it first. But see, when you take on that kind of an expectation, it doesn't work out very well. So here you are, you're wanting God, and you're going, God, I want you, I want you. But then you got your hand around your parent's neck, and you're going, you owe me an apology. And you can't reach in both directions, and so therefore it becomes a stalemate, and you get stuck, and you just end up in numbville. You're just numb. You're lacking intimacy. You're lacking the ability to to really receive what the Father has for you. It wasn't until I let go and I said, okay, Lord, I choose to honor my parents. I choose to have understanding for them in their situations and who they were and raising me. I let go of it, and I choose you. And therefore, that allows me to go up, and I don't have all that baggage holding me down and keeping me from God. And I just chose. And um, I'm losing my train of thought here. Um, That's right. So it's choosing to honor and give them understanding because they can't give you what they didn't give, get themselves. My parents had an orphan spirit on their lives. Looking back, I see it, and I see how generationally it has been in my line. And my parents can't give me something they didn't get themselves, so my expectation was unrealistic. And so when I hit those points in this journey of forgiving my parents, for the things that they had done that caused me hurt and disappointments, there were points where I was angry, and it took me a moment to really forgive them. And so I had to go to the Lord, and the only way that I could forgive them was to ha have the Lord help me have compassion in my heart for my parents. And so I would have to go and go, Lord, show me what was going on in their heart and what, what caused them to react to me in that way that caused me the hurt and disappointment. And the Lord show, would show me things about their childhood that affected them negatively, that caused them to react the way that they were to me. Things where expectations were put too on, heavy expectations were put on them at an early age, and, um, and it crippled them. So they had an inability to respond to me rightly because they didn't receive the love that they needed in their moments of their life also. So um, forgiving your earthly parents is crucial to becoming a son or daughter. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying that you have to rebond with your parents because in a lot, of, a lot of situations that's not even possible for people. But what I am talking about is letting go of that residual pain and the hurt and the disappointments so that you can receive God as your earth, heavenly father and trust him to meet the de deepest needs of your life. One of the things you need to realize, though, is that forgiveness is not a guarantee of healing in your life. Forgiveness 
and healing and trusting are different things. Forgiveness is that first step in the movement of becoming a son or daughter. And healing and trusting takes on a whole new, um, a whole new effort and allowing God to do more things in your life. They're two different things. I just want you to realize that. I don't want you to have this mentality, well, I forgave, so I'm healed. No, you've just unlocked the door to your heart, and you've just allowed the Lord to start coming in and start doing the work that he's been needing to do to clear the junk out of the way. So forgiveness is simple. If you don't know where to start, and I'm sure God's even dealing with your hearts now and showing you some things that you need to forgive your parents for. It's simply writing them down and going, Lord, bring to my remembrance what specifically do I need to forgive my parents for? What have I held captive in my heart and have tucked away? And you just simply say, Lord, I forgive my mom and dad for not allowing me to cry in that moment when I was hurting so bad. I cancel the debt. They don't owe me anything. And Lord, I just speak a blessing over them that they understand you would come to their heart about the need to cry and that you would begin to restore that part of my heart and restore that part of my relationship with them. It is that simple. You forgive. You say what you forgive for. It's not a blanket forgiveness. It doesn't work that way. Be specific. Now, when I ask you to drum up and become an angry person because you're remembering all these bad memories, I'm not asking for that. I'm asking you to go where the Lord is asking you to go. And it's simply saying, I cancel the debt. They owe me nothing. And then you speak a blessing in your life and theirs. It's that simple. Which then leads us to number two. And this one's a little more tougher. This is the beginning of walking into the healing part. Um, is to ask your parents to forgive you for the hurt and disappointments that you caused them. We don't ever think about that part of it. It is easy to sit there and rehash everything that they've done to you or how somebody has upset you and hurt you and you have felt disregarded. But we all play a part in an upset and in a disagreement somehow. Many times this process calls for what's called the ministry of restitution. The ministry of restitution says, um, is about that if our actions or attitudes have brought hurt to another person, there may be a need to go to that person and make right any wrong to break the destructive patterns in your relationships. How many of you are tired of destructive patterns that play over and over in your life? It is time to break them, and in breaking them is owning up to your responsibility. Everyone has a responsibility in an upset. No one is exempt. The Word tells us that. Even if you think 98% of the problem was them and you were only 2% of the problem, you are still 100% responsible for your 2%. You will be held accountable is it worth not, holding, not owning up to your 2% to keep walking in a life of destructive patterns? 
It is not worth it to me. Matthew 5, 22 to 26. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Truly I say to you, you will not come out of there until you have paid up the last cent. Nowhere in there does it say I'm exempted. If they acted this way, then I'm not held accountable. It says if someone's upset with you or you have an upset, you need to take care of it. No one is exempted. Um, I shared the last time about how the Lord, about four years ago, had me make restitution with my parents. And it wasn't easy. I'm not saying that's an easy job at all, because I did not have a deep, intimate relationship with my parents where I shared the vulnerabilities of my heart. But I, for years, the theme of my childhood was constantly feeling rejected and rejection being on me, and I fought that like crazy. And even when I got saved still was a fight to thy head of constantly feeling rejected by people and, and in situations in my life. And I was going, Lord, I'm working so hard on this. Why does this keep happening to me? Why? And within an instant, he pierces my heart and he goes, you rejected them first. And he brought back the memory of the night of them arguing in the middle of the night and where I woke up and how that I rejected them. I started crying. I felt so horrible inside to realize that the pain that I've been experiencing all these years, I've been giving it right back to them. I gave it to them first. And that was so hurtful to me that I had done that. I was so broken, and I was so sorry. And so I went to my parents, and I said to them, I said, I'm sorry that I made you feel rejected by me, and I've hurt you all these years. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. Did it brought tears and they forgave me. And my relationship with them is so different now. I love to go home. Um, and I want to go see them and talk to them. There's an openness between us that's never been there before. And so the ministry of restitution, though, it went well for me, but it may not always go well. There is a right and wrong way to it. You cannot go with an agenda and an expectation. Ministry restitution says you take full responsibility for your part and you make no excuses. Whether they do or not, where they get upset with you and they start letting you have it right back, you just, you, your part is owning up and going, I'm sorry, I know, I'm sorry. And I, I wish I could go into more about how to do it the right way, but I, I just don't have the time today. So I have a handout. If you want that, you can see me after I'm done talking and get the handout. But there is a right and wrong way to it, but it brings immense healing also. And if somebody doesn't respond the way you want them to, 
just know that God's on your side, and he's going to deal with their hearts. He's going to fight for you. You are just responsible for your part. Um, so the, fir- the third thing is to begin focusing your life on acting like a son or daughter, upon being a son or daughter, po- not acting, but upon being one, a son or daughter. The asset test for being a son or daughter is honor. <laughs> Showing honor to all people, not people who are nice to us only, not people who just agree with us. The word says you have to honor all people. And you know whether you can do that or not. Honor involves a decision that is made to put love into action, to give, perso- to give a person a position of high value and of, of worth, of high value and worth. Even when you've been disappointed, hurt, or wounded by a person, honor chooses to make a decision not to respond back, respond back in a harsh manner in any way. Honor says, I see how precious you are to the Lord just as much as I am. And I choose to be patient with you in the flaws of your character and honor you. And I will respond in love regardless and honor you. You don't respond in unwholesome word or tone or your behavior, your body. It's nothing. You respond totally in honor. You can't have a nasty tone even though you're saying the right thing. You can't have harsh body language as you're saying the right thing in the nice way. That's not honor either. And I was so terrible at this. Ask my husband. Oh, my goodness. I couldn't do it with him at home. He would come at me with his D personality and be very direct, and I'd snap right back. And he'd be like, why are you so angry? What's your problem? And I'm like, you know, it was just hard. And even if I didn't respond, he could tell by my body language, she's not happy with me. (laughs) He'd be like, what's wrong? And I'd be like, nothing. It's taken me a while (laughs) to get there and to learn how to honor. Yes. Um, When you start focusing on being a son or daughter of the Father, we only do what we see the Father doing. Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. And we are to be like Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father wanted him to bless, to serve, and uh, um, honor those around him. You need to ask the Lord, who do you want me to honor? And get underneath and push up and make their lives and ministry a blessing. That's what it's all about. Are you able to get up under somebody who you feel like maybe not as far as long as you are? And push them up and be a blessing and an honor to them regardless. Whose son or daughter is the Lord asking you to be? When you, you have to be a son or daughter first. 
No one can be a mother or father without being a son or daughter first, and you never stop being a son or daughter. It never stops for you. You're always a son or daughter. And it happens in the natural first before it can happen in the spiritual. You want to be a son or daughter of the living God? You've got to be a son or daughter of somebody in the natural first. It says it in 1 Corinthians 15, 46. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. You have to begin acting in the natural for what you want in the spirit. So I want to challenge you in this area. God has put you in this house for a reason. He has set you under this authority of this leadership in this church for a reason. If anybody's offended you or hurt you, don't think that you can tuck that away and act like it doesn't affect you in any way. Because it does. And how great are you at honoring and serving and blessing and help raising up people and things in this house that the Lord is asking you to? It's Eric and Tom and the leadership, it says it in the word in Hebrews thirteen seventeen. They're accountable for your lives. God's put you here for a reason, and they, he has put oversight over your life with them for a reason. I'm not here to say you're supposed to be somebody's little slave and running around. And ta- I, that's not it. It's about understanding the Father's love and the purpose that he has and what he wants to accomplish here. And that it's not self-serving for you to advance in some way. There's a difference. Are you doing to get? But are you doing to love and to honor and to bless? There's a reason you're here. God has a purpose for this church as a whole. Are we going forth in what God has called us to? Are we stepping in the areas where he wants us to step? And if we're not, is it because of anything that we are or are not doing? That's all I'm saying. I want you to just check your hearts because there's a reason why you've been placed in this house. And it's not just to come get your worship on. It's not just to come and get. You have a purpose. You have greatness inside of you. You have things to do for God to affect even beyond this place. But here's where you start, because God has put you here. So don't overlook the steps God has in your life to go and experience the greatness that he has for you. Are you following me? I have no hidden agenda here about needing anything from anybody for any reason. I want to see the greatness come out in you. I want to see you go forth, and I want to see the anointing flow from you and affect anybody that you come in contact with with love because of your understanding the Father's embrace and you're at home in the Father's embrace because you're walking it out and you're choosing to be a son or daughter. You're not choosing to be over here in self-reliance and independence and in the orphan spirit. You're choosing over here interdependence. That's the whole point. It's interdependence.
Which then leads me to number four, forgiving spiritual and governmental authorities. Is there a Christian that has not been hurt by somebody in a church? Is there anyone here who has never been taken advantage of by a boss or a coworker or a friend? Or a community person out in the community? Governmental workers. We live in a fallen world. The byproduct of that is that bad things happen. Mistakes happen. It is inevitable. We must forgive coworkers, governmental authorities, and forgive those within the church who have hurt us, disappointed us, or misrepresented God's love to us. You must not dishonor authority God has placed in your life, even if they are unreasonable. And I'm not saying that you should go against the word of God. But majority of the time, the issue is character flaws in both of us and the other person that you're upset with and within yourself. That is, that is hitting each other and tromping all over each other. It's really not because somebody is asking you to go against the word of God. You're already acting against the word of God yourself. That's causing the conflict. Hebrews, if you want to look at this, if you think I'm wrong, look at Romans 13, 1 to 8, and 1 Peter 2 to 18. Romans 13, 1 to 8, 1 Peter 2, 18. When we dishonor authority God has put in our life, it is though you are saying, if God put this authority in my life, then what a poor manager he is. And you're slapping him in the face. Again, you're taking your independence and your own self-righteousness and authority. You're not over here with God. Interdependence. If that's how you feel, that rises up in your heart. And don't feel bad about yourself. I mean, really be excited. Because this is exposing the work of the orphan spirit in your life. So that you can go, gotcha now, Satan. No more am I going to be this way. I'm evicting you from my life. Don't take this as heaviness and condemnation of any sort. Take this as revelation, the rhema word of God in your life that you can rise above and you can become greatness in the things that God has called you to. And you can walk in your anointing. And you can reside in the Father's embrace and constantly feel his love and give his love out. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Now that I am, I have gotten there, not that I don't slip back out of it. I am not 100%. But when I'm there and I'm walking in that, there's just nothing that feels that amazing. And you might be asking, well, why does God want us to um, submit to unreasonable authority? Following the principle of submitting to all authority helps us to learn to respect legitimate authority in spite of their own blind spots. If we are able to expect, exempt anybody because we think they're unreasonable, we will just exempt from ever, ever submitting to anybody 
interdependence will never, ever happen in your life because somebody will always be doing something wrong. We live in a fallen world. You've got to develop grace and love in your heart for the blind spots that people have in their lives and their own character flaws. Just because you don't have it and they do doesn't make you any better. You definitely have stuff that they don't. God walks in grace and love with us always. He never says, I don't have to deal with you because your character flaw is too much. And we are to be like Jesus. And Jesus does what he saw the Father doing. And we must do what we see the Father doing. Are you doing what the Father is doing? And honoring all people. That's why you must submit to unreasonable authority in your life. And again, a very effective way to go about this is making your list of whoever God brings to you. Be specific about what they did to you and begin to forgive them. Same process. I forgive them. I cancel the debt. Speak a blessing over them and a blessing over you. By forgiving them and letting go of the fence, you will begin to close the door that has been opened to condemnation and that has given the key to the enemy, the traffic in your life. If you're done with the enemy's trafficking in your life, then you need to forgive. Which leads us to number five. You may need to seek forgiveness from those in authority. Restitution again, the ministry of restitution. You do not know what you are full of until your boss, pastor, or authority in your life makes a decision that you don't agree with, a one that benefits others over you. Ouch. That's so true. When somebody makes a decision that affects your life in a negative way, you feel like it affects your life in a negative way, or you don't get promoted in the way that you thought you should be promoted, then that really shows where you're at in your ability to honor and to walk in love in the way that God wants you to. I want to talk about two things that can um, play into this of us that will help us to keep in the orphan spirit instead of walking in the ministry of restitu- restitution. One is called marginal deception. This is not a direct lie. Rather, it is sharing information or speaking in such a way that influences a person to form conclusions that are beneficial to you. This occurs when you only give partial information or relate circumstances in a way that influences people to come in agreement with your point of view. Yeah. And I bet we've all been there. We all have been upset enough at somebody that all we can see is our point of view and how it has upset us. How often can you relate a situation without making it biased towards you? I failed in this area. I failed. I've miserably failed over the years. Looking back, I go, oh, yeah, I did that. Huh? Another thing is called deflective praise, and this actually can be a good thing, but if we don't do it, then it's a bad thing. So, deflective praise occurs when someone speaks a word of affirmation or honor to you 
and you in turn share the glory with others who are part of the team. So that's the good part. You get shared, unhonored, but it wasn't all just about you. It was about others with you. And you deflect that praise back onto them as well. You don't receive it all. When you don't deflect the praise, it results in illegitimate praise unto yourself. And I've done that too. Done it. I want to read you an example. Jack Frost has a really good example of this. One of my duties, okay, so let me give you background on Jack Frost. He has a pastor called Pastor Miles, and they're part of a huge church. And he became associate, or one of the associate pastors on, this, and on staff in this large church, just so you can follow the story. One of my duties was to visit the hospitals and people's homes each week. Often the people I visit would say something like, Oh, you have such a caring and pastoral heart. Pastor Miles used to visit, but he doesn't have time for me anymore but you take time for your busy schedule every week. God bless you. I would often respond, he is very busy, but I will be sure to visit and pray with you. And if you need anything, just call me. I would illegitimately take praise unto myself, not deflecting it back to Pastor Miles. I believe that I was 100% loyal to him, when in reality I was unconsciously relishing and drawing the hearts of the people to myself. Deflected praise would have responded, as the church began to grow, Pastor Miles started paying me a salary in order to visit you. I'm here only because he has sent me to you. I am personally representing him and know that he is praying for you. Next time you see him, thank him for sending me to visit you. Can, see, can you see how easy it is for the orphan hearts to be deceived by what seems right and fair to them? We need to be independent as needing something from someone before we can effectively lead them to minister or to their needs. Otherwise, we unconsciously become manipulative in our pursuits for affirmation, acceptance, and achievement. We often are left with a sense of heaviness or guilt and feel insecure in our relationship. This binds others to us in an unhealthy, codependent relationship because we want them to need and admire us and to think that we are more mature and wiser than we really are. Yeah, I thought that was really good. Another thing that affects you, this affects you in another area, is your prophetic destiny. I know we all... Almost, if you've been coming to New Covenant long enough, you've been prophetically spoken over. You, God has spoken to you in your own rhema heart about the destiny on your life. So I want to read you one more example that he gives that's really great. And I, which one, which I can identify with. And have felt the same way and the same struggles that he went through. This is Jack Frost. God told me in 1980 I would be healing I would take healing and restoration to the nations of the earth. Later, Bill Hammond and five or six other prophets confirmed it prophetically. For 17 years, I had slaved to make the word come to pass, but it never did. I worked. I labored. I did everything to build the ministry, and yet few people in the authority would get, but few people in authority would get behind me. Few would promote me, even though I had helped thousands of people. I struggled 
had no money and little backing. It was not until I confessed and renounced my orphan heart and made restitution to the authorities I had defied and defiled and embraced the spirit of sonship that the prophecy began to be fulfilled. No sonship, no influence, no sonship, no inheritance. This is spiritual slavery to spiritual sonship. Yeah, it's really good. And I have felt that way from time to time in my life going, but you said this and I've tried it and nothing's come about. Like, I can't figure it out, God. I don't know. Was that prophet off his rocker? Like, maybe he just missed it. (laughs) And then I find myself going, this is safe over here. I'm just going to stay here. That's no fun over there trying to do that, even though I think you've told me to do that. And I realize it's just the orphan spirit that I've been at work in my life. And needing to make, have forgiveness and make restitution with people yes. so that I can receive the Father's love and live in his embrace. The sixth way, the sixth thing you need to do is just to break it off generationally. I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail with that. We all kind of understand that people in our line do things they shouldn't do and sin against God and never repent for it. So it opens doors and that just keeps getting passed on. And so when it comes to you and you have that aha moment, this is me generationally, you have to, you have to break it off of you. And so I have a handout for that. I have it all written out word for word what you need to say to break it off of you generationally. Now, just because you do that doesn't mean that it's always off of you. If you keep struggling and you keep opening that door, you got to keep going back and repenting. And you'll get better and easier, and it'll get longer, longer periods of time. So don't think just because I did it once, I'll never have to do it again. Because we all have the ability to open the door back up. The seventh thing is to daily renounce ungodly beliefs that's connected to your orphan thinking. Ungodly beliefs are lies and belief systems that you have based your life on and the way you act and the way you think and the way you relate to people that do not line up with the Word of God, that cause you to act in ways that you should not act. Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. You don't want to act that way anymore? You need to stop thinking that way. So you got to change your thinking. So you got to go, God, expose my orphan thinking. What lies do I have that coincide with my orphan thinking? And whatever he brings to your heart. It may be something as simple as, I have to do everything on my own. Nobody can do it as great as I can. So then you have to take that lie, renounce your believement in it, Ask God to forgive you, forgive those that have um, helped you believe that belief, that helped you to cause you to have that belief anyway, whether it was your parents and the way they treat you, whether it was friends or coworkers, whoever God brings to you that you need to forgive, you need to forgive them. And then you renounce your agreement with the demons that are behind that belief. And then you go, God, I choose to accept and believe and receive what you have to say, what is your truth, and allow him to speak that truth to you, and you write that down. 
any ungodly beliefs he brings to you, you write them down and you write the truth under it. So when the enemy tries to come in like a flood and bring that temptation for you to start believing that way again, you can go, oh no, God told me. And you just declare those truths over your life daily until it becomes a part of who you are. Now I have a handout for that also. Because <laughs> I know that's a whole lot and I didn't have time to make it easy for you. But I made it easy for you. It's up here. The eighth way, we're almost done here, is to begin sowing into your inheritance. I have another example from the book that's really good. Because I am still kind of walking this out and figuring it out in my life. I haven't 100%. I can relate to his examples. I go, I've been there. I've done that too. So let me read you another example. As this revelation of orphans and sons became real to me, I discovered another important truth in displacing the orphan thinking when I realized that it was time to begin to sow into my inheritance. Prior to this, each December, we would get a letter from Evangel Fellowship International, the fellowship of churches I was a part of, that invited us to participate in receiving a Christmas offering for Bishop Miles. I knew what his salary was and how often he spoke at other churches, which collected nice offerings for him. And here I was trying to raise a family of five on less than 30000 Why didn't they take up an offering for me? Definitely orphan, orphan thinking. <laughs> In those days, I did not have the revelation of giving honor to whom honor is due. Thus, I lacked a heart of sonship. God began to reveal to me how I was dishonoring authority with orphan thinking. Whenever I felt that authority didn't need a blessing, they were receiving as needed... I felt that authority didn't need a blessing. They were receiving as much as I did. It revealed I had no honor towards authority and thus no sonship. Sons recognized the power of sowing into their inheritance by seeking to bless those who have blessed them as well as blessings. Others have, oh gosh, um, let me read that again. Sons recognized the power of sowing into their inheritance by seeking to bless those who have blessed them, as well as blessing others as they have been blessed. So it's a cycle. You're blessed, you sow blessings, you get blessings. As Paul told the Romans, if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, they are indebted to minister to them also in material things. Romans 15:27b. As I encountered this verse in my new mindset of, of a son, I realized I had, to, I had a debt to all the people who have put up with me in my teenage years, my years of spiritual immaturity, when did I did more taking from people than giving. How much grief and pain I had caused Bishop Miles and some of the other people in my life because of my immaturity in valuing them for what they could do for me and in trying to manipulate them to promote my life and ministry. So it's important to sow into your inheritance. And the last one is a fun one. It's entering into your inheritance. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Start walking it out, living it, giving it, helping others. 
constantly giving grace and love to those around you. The worship team can come up now. We're going to do worship now, and as you're worshiping, these handouts are going to be up here. Just a real quick thing. The generational curse and ungodly beliefs are on the same page. The ministry of restitution is a two-page one. It's the other two. But I want you to come up. I'm going to put them on these front seats. But I want you to take this worship time, and I want you to start applying what you just learned. Who are you going to forgive? Who needs the ministry of restitution from you? Who do you need to honor? What do you need to repent for? That makes sense. So how do you want to transition? Do you just want them to start? to take the mute off, don't I, Bob? Here's what I want to encourage us today, is over the last several months, there has been many, many trials and things that people have been going through in the body of Christ. And I believe this painting right here that says freedom is what the Lord is really wanting to do in our lives. How many believe God's wanting to bring freedom? Come on with me. Is anybody believing that the Lord's wanting to bring freedom to your life? I've seen relational breakdowns. I've seen all kinds of anger and things that people are going through with relationships throughout this church and throughout the body of Christ. And I believe this message that Michelle is sharing right now, I believe it's a gateway to freedom. I believe it's a gateway to freedom. And we need to really take serious this message. I'm telling you, we are in a season where the grace of the Lord is on us to bring freedom to people's lives, to bring breakthrough. And I know right now by the Spirit that there are some people in your life that you need to let go. You need to forgive. You need to say, Mom, Dad, those in authority, whatever, there's some things the Lord's wanting to do business in your heart with. Maybe you think you've already forgiven your parents. I don't know about you, I love my children, but I've made mistakes. And I have no doubt this morning they could forgive me. I have no doubt they could even come to me and say, Dad, I am sorry for dishonoring you and for not being or whatever in their heart. I know I can do that with my own natural mom and dad. But let's take this message, Sharon, as we worship the King of glory. Has anybody been forgiven much? Has anybody been forgiven much by the Lord? Then I say love much and forgive much. And Father, I just ask right now in the name of Jesus that you begin to deal with our hearts. You begin to put in our hearts who we're to forgive, who we're to release, 
I know even some of you here, you're hurt by me. And I just say, oh, release me. You're, you're, you're hurt by authority in your jobs. Release them. Forgive them. Let it go. Forgive. God to bring you freedom today. Allow the bondage to be broken. Be a son. Be a daughter. And allow the Spirit of God to deal with your heart right now. So as the worship team leads us this morning,